Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Flashbacks. Flashbacks. We welcome Neville Rocky Roberts, one of the all-time greats. Okay. 98 games, 198 goals for West Torrens, 48 goals, 81, 48 games, 81 goals for Richmond, 75 to 77, including six for Victoria playing centre in a state game. And then, of course, for the Magnificent Redlegs, 108 games, 413 goals. Overall, 254 games, 692 goals. You know, leading goal kicker four times at Nord. Century, Nord Team of the Century, Nord Hall of Fame, South Australian Football Hall of Fame in 2006. One of the all-time greats. Welcome. Neville Rocky Roberts. Obviously, Nord, Richmond and West Torrens superstar. Welcome aboard, Rock. Rulebook, always good. Glad to talk to you. Yes, and we're on a combined time space tonight, so we're probably going to race through a little bit quicker than we do normally. But, Neville, the superstar junior, you know, at Henley High, even your first game, for uh, West Torrens, BOG against Ge- Geelong. Uh, give us an overview of your early career and then the decision to go to Richmond. I can't believe you remember that uh, Geelong game, but uh, on, Rocky, I, I shouldn't be surprised. Should yes. Shouldn't be surprised. Oh, look, I, I played um, I played junior football like every other player does and uh, went through Henley High School, which is, I guess, in later times become quite... Uh, uh, popular for producing um, uh, good players, but we had fantastic uh, uh, football program in, in those days. And but there wasn't there wasn't a pathway or an outcome that you could expect. So identification really came directly from the clubs. And I've got to say that if it wasn't for the West Torrens Footy Club, um, I you know like a lot of players, I might have slipped through the system and not played league football at all. But so I'm greatly indebted to them and um, picking me up and showing me a pathway. And so I had a, uh, a you know a two-year stint with them before going to Richmond. And then um, uh, it's history. I came back. I captained West Torrens for 70 um, or a couple. I came back in, in, in from Richmond in 78, 9 and 80, 81. I think I captained the club for a couple of years, 80, 81, and then went to uh, North. Out of that, Neville, I'll, I'll quite up jump jump in here and say that Neville would have, wouldn't have left West Torrens if the administration had been uh, 
more stable and decision based had been more professional. I'll, I'll add that. You don't have to comment on that, Neville, but uh, it's obviously something. I, I, I hate the word trader being bashed about where people don't understand which things are happening, yeah. you know, how poorly clubs are run at times. Oh, look, I think it's a fair comment. And, and look, to this day, there are people at the West Torrens Footy Club uh, and they are champions of the club. Uh, Johnny Graham is a champion yeah. of the West Torrens Footy Club. He's, uh, uh, or, you know, he has been a incredible uh, proprietor of uh, past players and, and he's tried to protect what was the origins of the West Torrens Footy Club prior to the merger. And he protects that like his own territory and yeah. like the warrior he was when he played. And I respected him. I wore his jumper before I played for West Torrens and he was a hero of mine. If I, if you asked him today what his view of me, he'd call me a traitor. Yeah. And I, I, I get it. Um, but I think it's time for, for Johnny to put down the, the weapons and give me a hug and say, well, look, I'm really sad you left us, uh, but um, I understand to some degree. I'll probably never forgive you, but mate, we're we're long in li- we're short in life and uh, and 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 long in memory. Uh, I think it's um, it's it's a little bit uh, disappointing for me to to not be able to celebrate my time at West Torrens because of things like that. But I think John will come around eventually. Anyway, I'll make him come around. Uh, but look, uh, those days those days were fantastic, and um, we played a different and had a different environment and a quite different, um, uh, uh, if you like, uh, community in football as compared to today. So, uh, you know, uh, I was fortunate to end up obviously over time at Norwood, and uh, the obvious followed. I had the success I was looking for. And your time at Richmond, like, let's not forget. You decided to cross to Richmond as a kid still, really, mm. going to a club who's won back-to-back premierships. Now, there's people out there who don't realise how successful Neville was at Richmond. Let's remember that he, he did get picked to play for Victoria back then when you only allowed to play two players per side. So Francis Burt was captain. So Neville got picked for Victoria in front of Kevin Bartlett, Royce Hart, etc., and kicked the casual six goals playing centre in a state game against Western Australia. Um, and that and it's a pretty handy effort. You know, your second year, especially with Ruck roving at Richmond in, and establish yourself, you made the decision to come back. Richmond were desperate to keep you. Yeah, I, 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 you've got you've got fantastic factual information, and I guess when you put it in a uh, you know in a uh, synoptic uh, explanation like that, where it seems so simple, it you would say, why in God's name couldn't you have ever come back to Adelaide? And sometimes I ask the question and sometimes I regret it. Sometimes I say, well, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. You know, we we know the story of Peter Motley. We know, you know, we, yeah. we, we, we all think that things might have been different if we'd made other decisions, but we'll never know. But look, yeah, I was incredibly fortunate to to get drafted or, or picked by Richmond in, when they were winning premierships. I was incredibly fortunate to uh, be, you know, picked in a Victorian state team prior to State of Origin ahead of, you know, Sproul, uh, uh, Bartlett, you know, Sheedy, okay. uh, Clay, Richardson. I mean, all of those guys. I mean, it was just ridiculous. 
uh, Tom was Tommy Havey was the coach, and but I've got to say that you know I, I won't uh, let my ego get the better of me here. But in my second year, I I I understood what was required. Uh, I was a kid when I went there. I was only nineteen, and but I got it. And uh, I've got to say that if you ever recognise the peak of your time in football, I think at twenty one, twenty two, I I really got it and. Um, I had an extraordinary um, mentor in Francis Burke who gave me a, a – was a mentor and gave me a, a philosophy for life, which was simply make no excuses. There are no excuses. And I treated that to advice. Uh, I took it to the field. I took it to life. I took it to everything. And uh, it's been my uh, – you know, the, a fabric of everything I've done. But – I was, uh, look, uh, Rob, I was incredibly fortunate to have all of those experiences at such a young age. And um, and I've got to say, you know, even running out for Victoria, I looked at the jumper before I, I put it on and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> In God's name, at 20 years of age, am I putting this thing on? But anyway, it happened and I'm ever, forever grateful. Was it uh, at your time at Richmond that you struck up a friendship with Neil Barham? Absolutely, he was a uh, uh, he was the sexiest thing going around in the world. He was he was huge. I mean, you know, everyone wanted everyone wanted a piece of army, and he was long hair and had the best looking girl in the town and all that sort of stuff going on. And we all thought, God, you know, that, that, we're lucky to know him. But he was a bit of a larrikin, and uh, he loved the beer. And we in those days got away with having a social life as well as a football life. And Barmy was, a, uh, he was the head of the pack and uh, we became uh, in- incredibly close. I think for chemistry, a bit of him looking after me. And um, uh, the first game we played was at, uh, my game was at Fitzroy. My first game, they'd won the year before in 74. And a fight broke out and I was playing the forward pocket and Barmy was resting at full forward and Sheedy got hit over the head by a bloody umbrella from a spectator or something and the whole thing just went berserk and I, I sort of thought I'd better run down and Barmy said, hey, hey, where are you going? I said, oh, I said, nah, 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 nah. He said, let, let, you just, let's, let's stay here. And, uh, there's plenty of action. There's plenty of action going on here when it, uh, when it stops and we might get the benefit of it. Anyway, it, Free kick, us, ball in the square, Barmy takes the catch, kicks a goal. He said, <laughs> see what I told you, champ? <laughs> and a, a bit of irony there with your friendship with Barmy because if that hadn't happened, you may have ended up, and you can explain to people why, you may have ended up playing for Port Adelaide. Absolutely. I got recruited by Richmond and play, when I was playing for West Torrens and I flew over and back every week and – it was like a James Bond film. I, I flew over to Melbourne and then I got the helicopters of the Yarra and went to bloody uh, Punt Road by taxi. It was quite incredible to get there, because, but I had lectures and things, so they were sympathetic to that. And that's how I started my career at Richmond. Um, and, um, you know, uh, it was uh, you know, uh, really uh, spectacular how Richmond were prepared to let me study in Adelaide uh, and do all that sort of stuff. So the first year we had finals and West Torrens weren't in the finals. But remember, I was flying over and back. So I was training with Torrens. I had nowhere to train and I was still at, at uh, university. So uh, Port Adelaide, who uh, I knew Jack and I knew Russell Ebert really well, 
and uh, Richmond approached him and said, can he train there? And I did. And so consequently, I developed an incredibly good relationship with those guys for that final series. Go forward three or four years. I'm back in Adelaide. I've gone from West Torrance to, to Nord. Uh, Jack Jack hears and I'm think Jack Cale hears and I'm thinking of going to uh, uh, Norwood and puts his hand out. And, and uh, John Cale is a very, very personable man. He's a very charismatic guy. And I have no doubt why he was a champion coach. He he he, he put people together. He he solidified it with his, his management, his character, all those sorts of things. But, the, you know, the one thing you had in common with the great coaches at the time, like Parassi and, and Hafey and Curley, was that they they actually demanded that the top eight or nine players drive the whole scene. So, you know, if you're a senior player at Richmond or Port or Nord, whatever, that, that was how it worked. You, you drove the club and these coaches were really good, like, you know, Carl and all that. So Jack had a crack at me, uh, but it was really my relationship with Barmy. In the end, I said, no, nah, I've got to go to Nord. And getting you over the line to get to uh, the parade was interesting. Wally, Wally Miller had to be convinced. Look, there's no doubt, you know, as a young man, I was probably a bit full of myself and believed all the press. And when I came back from Richmond, there was a lot of hype and all the rocky stuff. And, you know, it was a bit, a bit silly, but look, you know, as a 21 to three year old or whatever it was, you know, I'd probably forgive myself for being a bit caught up in it all. And, and that didn't sit well with Nord because Nord was more of a conservative club. And, and, it, and, and, and I think if, if, if I was really honest, I probably became a bit of an individual rather than a team player. And I think that was a sort of a consequence of all the attention I got. And, and I'll probably look back on that and say, look, I should have been smarter. But notwithstanding that, um, Rich, you know, Norwood really wouldn't tolerate that. And uh, uh, yeah, Wally said, he, you know, we, we like, we want you, but we don't want Rocky. And I said, well, that's your problem. <laughs> That's your problem, not mine, because I can't stop it. <laughs> Today we still laugh about it. So obviously you moved to Nord in uh, 1982 and tasted a bit of success, success quite quite quickly. Well, we did, and it was you know, it was just you know quite incredible to say that you know the reasons I left West Torrens, I was captain, all that sort of stuff, and people are still wearing young kids are still wearing your duffel coat. I mean, that's a really emotional thing people would not probably maybe appreciate how difficult it is when you're captain of a club and you've got all this, um, you know, admiration from young people to what appears to be turning your back on them. It was a really big deal. And right up to the last minute, I, I wasn't going to, I probably wouldn't have gone if it wasn't for Barmy ringing me and saying, look, you know, you sort of have to be a bit selfish about your life and, and, and what you achieve in life. And, you can be loyal and uh, stay with the Eagles and do all that, and we'd appreciate that, and we wouldn't have any regrets. But I think you've really got to examine your own mind and your, you know, the identity you want in football and what you want to be remembered for, and that is to be the best you can be in the possible, the best possible environment. And I had to make decisions about those things, which were a little bit political and weren't easy, but I did and went. And yeah, with first year, you know, I got absolutely. Uh, you know, indemnified, I guess, my decision to leave in the sense that it was endorsed by a premiership. And, like, we came home with a train in 82. It, you know, like all the th- comments made, and, you know, we said at Nord, we underachieved and all that. 
I admit, Neville, I've probably softened that stance over the years. You think 82, the qualifying final against Sturt, we were down in the last quarter. The second semi against Port, Port hit the front in the last quarter. And then in 84, with the history makers think, we were gone against Centrals in the first semi and managed to get out of jail in the last five minutes. So I've probably eased off a bit on that. And I think we we probably don't show enough respect to how bloody strong the competition was overall. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, it's easy to look at the AFL now and see us as a secondary competition. But when I went to Richmond, there was really, you know, it was an equitable competition between yes. Melbourne, Tasmania, us and, and SNFL and Waffle. And, you know, I, I went, but I came back. And, you know, everyone forgets, well, sorry, when I offer a regret about coming back, great mates of mine like Barmy and, and uh, Barry Richardson and others who are Francis Burke said, well, you know, quite frankly, there was not much between us. I mean, yeah. you know, we were beating them at State of Origin and doing all that sort of stuff. So it's easy, but right, it was easy to make those decisions now, but right now to make that, uh, you know, comparison is unfair. What I regret now about the whole Australian situation with football is that because we're not in the AFL, all of us, other than the AFL, are worthless. Yeah. And we're not part of the deal. Well, I, I, well, it is garbage. And I say, you know, I've got mates in the AFL, as you know, rule book, and I've said to them as recently as five months ago, what about, why Why did you, what, what about if we, why did we not do our own competition? Why didn't we just say, well, yes. we'll have a national league and we'll start with Norwood, Port, Sturt, uh, you know, whoever. Why do you guys get to do it? And no one's got an answer for that. No. Who, who made them the owners of football in Australia? So all of a sudden, you know, South Melbourne, Fitzroy, Brisbane, da 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 da, da Collingwood, da, all of a sudden they're the only clubs that actually matter. And all of the other look, – look at Norwood. Look at its history. Look at this fantastic bloody brand. And all of a sudden, you know, we, what are we? We're an amateur league club playing in, yeah. you know, I, I just – I hate that. Yeah, likewise. And I've got – the, the last thing I want to do in football, and I've, never said, I've probably even never said this to our president, is I want to see Nord in the national competition because it doesn't deserve to have its brand disrespected by everybody and, and its players. Yeah, you know, I, I get that, Neville, but I, I'm still a little bit I, – I admit, I wish the AFL had never started. Personally, I loved when the SNFL was the big deal here. So I'm showing – you know, I'm showing my age and old-fashioned side mm. of things mm. and that. But I love being a part of Nord Football Club. You know, being a Nord tonight, you know, being with Fanner and Paul Dillio and all that, you're actually a person where at an AFL level, you're just a number. You're member number yeah. 3,817. Yeah. Where at Nord, I'm part of Nord Football Club. Where, for me, that's still big. But, yeah, so I see where that's coming. You know, we're coming look, from Robert, as well. You're right. I, I, look, let me be very clear. The Norwood Footy Club, run by Paul and Fanta, we have got it right from the top down. We are cherry ripe. We have no dickheads in our club. We're heavily managed. We've got, a, we've got an incredibly good coach. We've got great coaches. Our players are uh, respectful and good people and all that sort of stuff. So guess what? You win a flag. Well, there's no... There's no, there's no <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm not surprised at that because we've got everything right. And it doesn't happen often. 
But I, I think in relation to what you're saying, um, you know, we as a club probably have a penchant to say, well, you know, we, we deserve with our brand and everything to be playing at the highest level of competition and that's not happening for us. So it, it, it's going to be a lagging and uh, I think endemic problem in our in our in our club in our personalities that we will want that to happen because we want to be in the best competition. But having said all of that, we are we are the bet we have proved last year with respect to the other clubs we were the best in that competition and and that's the best we can do. It's a uh, uh, but you know I I respect what you were saying, Rulebook. I probably don't think much differently. Now, back to your own career, Neville. People out there, the professionalism of Neville Roberts and Nord Football Club and that, but the professionalism of Neville Roberts and Michael H together. Now, Pete, what used to happen, they'd end up training and they would kick boot the crap out of the ball the distance we are apart now. Mm-hmm. And in the hands, and it would be the, the one who to drop first ball had to buy lunch the next day the next day or you know, whenever they were. Yep. I admit, I stayed at Nord one night, and I was the only person still there, for 40 minutes. They were over a 1,000, and they were booting the living daylights out of it, each other. And it showed where Neville was so good in front of, in front of his body and yep. the hands. Yep. Where to, and I love the bit too, neither ACL Neville or on Facebook, so something will come up and I'll send it through to the two of them. And then I just sit back and piss myself laughing the rest of the day at the game of tennis at the bullshit back and forth between the two of them. And I just sit in the middle and get the benefit of the entertainment. Yep. So, yeah. Well, I suppose, does that uh, correlate with kicking 117 goals in 1983? <laughs> oh, look, I think I, I think it's a rule of 10,000, guys. I mean, you know, I'm helping tweak a little bit with some of our kids. Yeah, and, no, I was going to come back uh, to that. Yeah, but I think you know one of one of the things I tell them is you know we 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 get uh, the process and the routine right and all that sort of stuff. But it's fine to sort of have a, a, a process or have a plan, but or in relation to kicking goals and doing other things or catching balls. But if you don't actually practice it. You know, ten. You know, the rule of ten thousand is basically that you got to do something ten thousand times before it become innate, become part of your personality. So you don't actually think about it. The reality is that um, back then, that little program I did with Aishi, I did at Richmond with Francis Burke, who's a, just one of the great immortals of the Richmond Footy yeah. Club. And we used to do that after night at, at Punt Road, and it's smash, smash, smash. And I live with Francis, so you know yeah. I had to pay a price at home, wash the dishes, or do whatever I had to do with him and Kerry. But the reality of it is that it was just watch the ball, hit your hands, and if I got one message for kids, it's always you know watch the ball, hit your hands, and the kids think oh, they sort of look at it, but they don't look at it. Watch it like you can't look at anything else, and that was what that taught us. And Asia and I did that. We had another competition where we kicked the ball 40 metres and we had to step more than a metre either side. We, yeah. you know, we had this bet. I think Asia owes me about $400,000. He'll never pay it. He'll prick. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's that one. I do it as well. With coaching, I've done kids' cricket coaching clinic this week. What do you catch, what do you catch the ball with? And of course, the kids all answer, answer well, in your hands. 
say no. Come on, keep going. With your eyes, yeah. And keep, and then I make them close their eyes. We'll catch the ball without yeah, your eye. And it is yeah. watch the ball is the most common. It's the three words we use the most. Whatever coaching we're doing. I, I remember my time out at Nord. They'd make you read the uh, gauge of the, uh, the 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 ball basically into your hands, which was always a good one for me. And Neville, your yeah. involvement this year back at the parade. So came came in involved with the forwards probably about halfway through the year, roughly. Oh, a bit later, but yeah. probably 60%. Yeah. Yep. And so Neville was watching games, reviewing, trying to get get our forward movement a bit better which uh, and that side of things. Now, Neville, were you thinking exactly the same thing I was when Ben Jarvis, who you'd been doing a fair bit of work with, when Jarvo had the kick 50-odd metres out, my first thought was, thank, leave the language out, he's this far out because it'll make him kick through it. And I'm thinking... Just do what Neville has been working with. Was in my thought process as he came in, and of course, fifty metres out, he launched Jeez, it. He nailed it, didn't he? And if he'd been thirty out, different story, maybe. I, I wouldn't have been backing him with my wallet, you know, yep. sort of thing. And and I, I, as he kicked that, and it's gone through. I will say, you bloody beauty, Neville Roberts. I did think of that at the time. Well, I, I reckon you shift your focus back to Ben and. He is a really tough head. He he's a good kid. He's well. He's he's essentially really. Uh, he's a tough minded. He's a tough minded young fellow, and he's um, essentially a very um, you know skilled forward with, with he can kick goals from it basically anywhere. So my my job really was to sort of try and get a process that sort of protected him. Under pressure, when you you know the, the the thing about a process or a routine is to take away the pressure of the man on the mark, the white noise that's yep. going on around you, yep. the you know can I kick it, can I can. Having a process it means you go into another room, do all that sort of. Anyway, Ben got that quickly, and that essentially was my role. But you can't, you know, it's no merit to me. It's really a merit to the kids who look at it and say, well, I, I get what Neville's trying to tell us and I'll, I'll, I'll take it on board and hopefully it makes me better. I say to people now, it's, it's as easy for us now to say, shit, you know, you don't want Ben Jarvis's kick, but if you get it, meaning you don't want that last kick in a grand final, but if you, if you get it, you don't want to not be able to kick it. You don't. You need to have the skills and you need to have the, um, you know, the process to do it. So, look, the reality of it was that um, he was uh, up to the challenge and probably would have been anyway. But um, what, I think one of the great things with Ben is that he he doesn't suffer pressure too badly. And I think giving him a process gave him a little bit more protection from that sort of pressure and. Uh, but having said all of that, mate, it's still a huge kick, isn't it? Outside 50, yep. you know, eight points down or whatever we were, whatever it was. And, uh, you know, what an incredible, what an incredible get for a young man. I mean, and yeah, I'll tell you a story. There's a, there's a young kid at Nord called Luke Sermon and yes. uh, he's a good man. And he had, he had a good final in a lot of ways, but missed three goals. So within two weeks of that final being finished, he rang me and said, you know, I'd like to try and straighten up and do this. So we met 
regularly two or three times or took twice a week for several times before now and he's i'm really happy with how he's going but i he did say if we hadn't have won that grand final i I wouldn't have slept for a thousand years and because he missed goals probably that he thought he should have kicked interesting isn't it he's a complex he's he really means well luke he's he's a complex kid um yeah, yeah it's so initiative. Yeah, that's it is. Fantastic. I, I'm right. I think that's I, great. I, I, I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Likewise, right. I never. We'll quick keep going because there's a couple of things we've got to mention. Obviously, the history making premiership in '84, captain in the club, and then I'll I'll then back. You know, I thought you were treated disgracefully as coach. That losing final turned up, got back to Nord. I ended up spending most of that night with you, and I thought it was disgraceful that you were nearly ostracised. I felt that night, and I. I have told a few people that night as well, uh, and that so that probably wasn't the best chapter at Nord, but the '84 and then captain in the club, of course, captaining South Australia. Go for it, Rock. Oh yeah, look, I think captaining South Australia was an incredible honour, and it's, it's, it's a bit personal, it's a bit private, and all that. But um, you know, it was a fantastic evolution and part of my footy career. And playing State of Origin was. Extraordinary, you know, they were incredible games at Adelaide, as we all remember. You know, they packed out and they were what they were. And, uh, um, you know, that remains a highlight. I think, um, you know, the uh, coaching Nord was, again, and, you know, it's, it's an incredible honour to coach a club with that sort of brand. And, and, and what followed from it was probably more a management issue and I wouldn't hold back from saying that we weren't well managed then and there were people who had uh, the one thing about footy clubs that never ceases to amaze me is when they're not going well it's generally because presidents and others they're barrackers they're footy pervs they want to hang around with blokes who have got profiles and they want to barrack for the club they you know, we've got we've got people involved in our club now as serious management people, serious administrators. They don't barrack, they don't wear club uh, blazers to go to lunches. You know, it, it's it's a more serious environment than that. And I think you know, back when I was coaching, we suffered um, essentially suffered fools. And um, you know, I, I I probably should have been smarter. I've been in business all my life. I put should have put myself in that environment. I got what I deserved um, in the sense that I. You know, put myself in that environment with people who I probably shouldn't have trusted to do what they said they were going to do. Um, I'm not saying that I was better than I was as a coach. I mean, we weren't a complete failure, uh, but you know, no. it, you know, as you know, and I think you know, without defending myself, you go from not coaching to coaching. You, you need three years to learn what's going on. I mean, the first the first time. A play, a play, an ex-player or a, or a potential coach steps into the box to coach, he has no idea what he's doing. He looks at the game and says, holy shit, I'm looking at this as a player. It takes a year before you look at it as a coach. And, uh, you know, then I, in my second year, I was lucky enough to be able to convince Michael Taylor to come back to the club, yeah. which was fantastic. He is just the greatest man and I love him. And a great mate, and uh, he helped me immensely and taught me to think as a coach because he'd been with the Crows and less with the. So, you know, look, lessons in life, rule book, you know, yep. we move past them. And I say, well, I was probably in the wrong place at the wrong time, but, you know, 
I'm, I'm lucky. I, you know, it will always be recorded that I coached in a Wood Footy Club and what a great honour that was. Now, Pete, there was one funny bit with Rock in terms of, or a couple, but uh, I walked walked in and walked upstairs at the Cathedral, the Richmond game, and it turns out yeah. Neville's being interviewed by Dale Waitman upstairs. <laughs> and I walk in and Neville sees me walking, he's gone, shit, I better not make any mistakes in my career now because this prick's better than I am. And there's all these people staring at <laughs> The hell, what the hell's just happened? And, uh, and then Neville gets to the Nord bit. He said at Nord, and I'm yelling out, take your time, Rock. This could go for half an hour at least. And yep. these, these Richmond people are staring at, who in the F and hell is this idiot? Yeah, sort of thing. <laughs> and, of course, greatly, Jeff Wilson and I always greatly appreciate uh, you for the room that night at Richmond and the, have those couple of nights in uh, over an 83 yeah, were, an very edu- welcome. were an very education welcome. in life, to say the least, those couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, well, it's, uh, you know... Uh, Goes on tour, stays on tour. Absolutely, and uh, you're very welcome. Mate, I'll just go back very, very quickly. My favourite grand final, obviously, was the history-making 84 grand final. Mate, Port, a- Port Adelaide, the arch enemy, so to speak. Uh, yeah. What are your memories of that day? Oh, incredibly, uh, we, we, we managed to just uh, make it by us, make the finals by the skin of our teeth. So from about three games out of four games out of the uh, uh, final series, we were playing grand finals every week. And obviously through the final series, every game was a knockout game. So we became tougher and tougher and tougher. But the one thing that I think that probably eludes everybody is we didn't have any injuries. I mean, I don't know how you play so many hard games. I think we had one injury. It might have yeah. been. Um, we were very settled. Where we were, I mean, it was a Vardas or someone had an injury. Oh, Rowan, anyway, no, got Rowan put... Helia got injured. Oh, Helia, that's and right. Javo, and uh, Javo came back. That's that's right. So incredibly lucky to have that run. But I think as as the the games progressed and we went through, you know. Glenelg or South Glenelg, whatever South we South Central uh, Glenelg was the order. Yeah, so they're all close. They're all tough. They're all on nail biters. And so I think what happened was that they was a bit like, you know, swimming five laps today, 10 laps next week, 30 laps a week after. We just became stronger, 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 stronger. And we handled pressure better, 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 better. And when it came to the final, we're eight points down, going to last quarter. We never knew. We had absolutely no doubt we we're going to win it. We, I could just, I could just often think about. Think why in God's name were we so confident we we're going to win? this eight points down. That's two goals. We're going to, we're going to kick two before they do anything. But it was just almost in our heads that we we own this. We're going to take this. This belongs to us. Well, the, centrals, we, the centrals first semi. Like we were nearly three goals mm. down with five or so minutes to oh, go. I know. Um, that re- reminiscent of this year's final. Yeah, grand it was. Final. There were certain similarities yeah. there. And then the prelim yeah. final, you know, let's be honest, I'm well, not exactly upset. Glenelg were two goals 14 at one stage, so that didn't hurt. So, yeah. And then the grand final against Port is still, I think, the 73, Glenelg North, and the 84 are the are two, the two grand big ones yep. for me. You know, okay, 84 is yeah. a biased Nord man, yes, but I still think. They're the two great. And look, I have 1980 up there where Nord, we nearly grabbed grabbed the victory where we were underdog against a great port side yep. as another great grand final. So I'm showing there that probably a little bit, at least a bit of balance there that Port did win that game. But 73 and 84 are the two for me. Certainly consistent through those five or six years through 78 to 84. 
I think I think if you look back on that uh, period between eighty and eighty six, you know, I, I said to Twig the other night in front of the other coaches, I think it's a bit embarrassing that we didn't actually do better in that window that, than just two flags. I mean, we yeah, were, but as I said, let's let's do remember that. 82, the qualifying against Sturt, we were down down by 15 points in the last quarter. So I, I I did used to have that thought process, and then I thought, and I've actually spoken about that with Barmy in terms of going, well, hang on, 82, 84, there's times we, we certainly weren't going to win in those two. So I, I just think we probably, Nord, you know, we're a proud club, we go at ourselves, but... I show more respect now overall to the competition. I think how good North Adelaide and Glenelg were in that era as well. Oh, look, they were, they were very and West Adelaide in 83 were the best forward line overall. You know, they mm. were an incredible side in 83. Mm. Well, that, well, yeah, we lost to them in a prelim and they won it. But, yeah. uh, no, we lost the second know, semi. It's, 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 look, as you know, it's easy to go back and be retrospective and uh, we're all smarter in uh, hindsight, but... Uh, you're only as good as the you know the performance on the day, and um, you know I was very very pleased having made the move to North. That you know we picked up a couple of flags in the last part of my career. And you were very emotional, Grand Final day. It was a pleasure. You're not great <laughs> at looking for a camera afterwards, Rock. That wasn't your strength, but yes, nah. Look, <laughs> we're still celebrating as far as I'm concerned at Nord and as Nord at the moment. Greatly appreciated too, Neville. To uh, and that for tonight, and obviously. Greatly appreciate your friendship over the years, um, etc. Oh, look, mate, you, you're very welcome, and you're a great Nord man, and you, you make a lot of contributions there, uh, gratuitously and generously, and it's, it's greatly appreciated. So uh, um, we'll catch up soon, no doubt. Thanks, mate. Thank you, Rocky. Thank you for joining us tonight, mate. You're welcome. All the best. Bye, boys. We've just been speaking to Rocky Roberts. Mate, I have to change your name from the rule book to the encyclopedia. You are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to stats. Yeah, it's not. I wish I'd been a bit better at schoolwork than the stats, but yeah, I, I admit, don't lose too many footy arguments or bets, mate. Rocky was fantastic in talking about his his time over in Victoria with Richmond uh, at the Richmond Footy Club. His uh, great mate in uh, Neil Balm, who sort of got him over to Norwood to... Uh, Gee, I didn't realise he could have ended up at Port Adelaide. That's an amazing story. Yes, it's probably not that well known, that one. 